What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Great Girth Podcast. This is the regular show. Unfortunately, we couldn't have a Friday show. So that being said, this is going to be very, very political. Uh, joined, as always, with Austin and our guest tonight, Mr. Ted Sell. Ted, sir, how are we doing? Uh, well, other than the fact I can't see, I'm doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I don't know how you... I know what you... That's fine. <laughs> We're a family. Yes, exactly. What about you, Austin? How is life for you? Doing good. Just rolling through Nebraska. So, you know, as good as you can be doing that. It sounds rest, like it. I wait deep enough for you can just, like, not pay attention to what you're doing anyway. <laughs> Pretty much. That's what, that's what it sounds like in the background. Um, there was something. I can't remember what it was. Uh, Austin, what is going on here with, uh, let me pull this up. I had just had this out when we were going to discuss something for yesterday. Uh, something to do with Fauci's emails or something like that. It's been all over for like a week now, but I haven't really been following it. I figured you might know a little more than me on it. Yeah, we don't know how they got leaked. Someone hacked the emails and all of Fauci's emails since pretty much since um, like last last November have been leaked, and so we can read all his emails, all his correspondence to and from, and it's just showing how much of a liar Fauci was the entire time. Oh well, yeah, go figure. Uh, I'm asking just because. Yeah, it's everywhere I go. But the thing is, is on Facebook, Twitter. Everywhere else, you can't find anything on it because they pretty much blocked it for obvious reasons. Well, exactly. Yeah, but at the same time, it, it even forced Amazon to pull his book off of their selling list. So, right, right. It uh, if it's uh, if you can expose the issue or make people question the agenda, they can't have that. So, of course, they're going to pull it any way they can. You can't post a single picture on Facebook that has something to do with COVID without getting the little bar at the bottom that says that this post has information about COVID, even if it's a joke. And it's it's everywhere. I mean, I've even tried taking pictures and reposting them just to see if it'll go away, and then the next hour it's there again. Yeah. Yeah, one of the big things in Fauci's emails – so we're finding out that the lab in Wuhan is probably where the virus originated, and there was U.S. tax dollars going to help fund the lab, which is why the state, which is why the State Department was telling their people not to investigate the lab theory. Right, which it seemed. Uh, so I got called a conspiracy theorist for like a really long time. Just because I would, I had been saying that no, 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 there was something going on that we're not being told, and now that it's coming out that that's pretty much the case, I'm kind of wondering how this is going to go because people are still painting him as the Doctor of the Year. Yeah. Well, remember, he's only the second best doctor. Doctor um, Jill Biden is still the best doctor. <laughs> I don't understand how these people still have their jobs. <laughs> That's well, called bureaucracy. Yeah. 
It, it, so it's I, about the narrative. It, 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 you have a job if you support the narrative. It's like yes. all, it's like that with all bureaucracy. I knew a dude that worked with my dad at the veterans hospital would show up late every day, would miss like a day day to two days, or just call out with no no warning, like two one to two days a week, and was able to keep his job because the bureaucratic process to fire anybody. Just not worth the time. Well, right, and of course, yep. as long as you follow their agenda and their ruling, they're going to protect you at least till they're done with you. I what did that? Oh. No, nah, I had one guy tell me once that in politics and in business, everyone turns out to be a whore. The the trick is to be an expensive one. And I think that goes that kind of mentality goes a long way into how people like this in their position where they are for so long. Yeah, he's making what eight hundred thousand dollars a year, six hundred thousand dollars a year, something like that, being a liar because he says the th- things that people want to be said, whether that's true or not. How is he so protected, though? That's the crazy thing because it's been proven that he's been wrong about a lot of things, including the whole wearing the mask thing. How how does that work? Because if it were any other doctor, I'm pretty sure their position would be questioned. If not, they would be removed from it. Do you think it has something to do with the fact that he is a political doctor? He's not just any doctor. He's working for a political party, essentially. Yeah, he's pulling the, he's pulling the party line for the Biden administration. And he serves at the pre- pleasure of the president. The president is the one who can fire him, really. And uh, why would you fire him if he's literally praising you at every turn and saying what you want to say? He's turned into a little puppet for the Biden administration, so there's no um, incentive to fire him. Right. That's kind of what I figured was going to happen. You know, there are a lot of people in the media aren't going to talk about him because he was... Basically, let's face it, he helped take down a very unpopular president amongst the, well, shall we say, the media elite. And they're not going to turn on, turn on someone who helped them do what they really wanted to do, which was to take him down. Yeah, that does make sense, because I, I don't necessarily believe that the election was rigged, but it was definitely rigged by the media. And a lot of people are in on it. There was a story, too, about a a reporter from CNN that admitted that that was their goal. That was the mission within the last year was we're going to do everything we can to make sure that Trump does not make it in office again. And nobody cares. You know, everyone's just like, okay, as long as he's not there. But now we're stuck with the guy that can't even complete a full sentence. (laughs) I mean, it's not okay. So I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say not my president, but it bothers me that a huge group of people didn't question his ability to be president. He's clearly not coherent. There's something wrong with him. And we I've been saying this for a long time and it may be coming off as a joke, but I really believe that the reason he's there is because eventually he is going to become incompetent or something's going to happen to him. And then we know who's next to be president and who better than a woman. I mean, at least, in that left field. 
Hey, hey, come on. You've got about the part where you stop talking uh, about whatever it is you're mumbling about to throw passes at an underage girl. About going taking her out for some ice cream later because she looks really good in her barrettes. <laughs> yeah, but the most fun is threatening journalists, but with vehicular homicide. Oh right. yeah, that was fun. Yeah. If Trump would have done that, it would have been a big deal. They would have called him a murderer. And Austin, I know you're not a fan of Trump, but you know I'm right because if he said even the slightest as a joke. They would be reporting it for days, saying that he threatened a man with his life. The reporter is taking legal action and all this crazy stuff. He's got the reporter now has PTSD and it has to go on six weeks of. Right. It's like a it's like a Stephen King novel with him. That's what they would end up doing. <laughs> and you know what? Like, I can see where you didn't like him. I understand that. And I. I do hope he runs again. He probably won't, given uh, everything he was put through, unless if he really does care, then he will. But I just don't see it happening. And the, even if he does, I don't think he'll make it very far. The theory that I've heard that I've landed the most credence to is that he's going to go after Ron McDaniel's seat as the chair of the party. I mean, it's, I could see it. Chair of the RNC. I can see that. I also saw today um, some people are talking to him about running for Congress because he'll have enough pull if he got elected in, on, in a congressional seat. He would be Speaker of the House and nothing flat. Right. You know, I, this is... you know what? I think I, I think the Trump presidency turned out better than I had hoped. I, and I was I was a cruise bot so back in sixteen so. I really didn't have a lot of faith or hope in him. And I think that his presidency turns out a whole lot better than it, I thought it would. But I really do think it's time to move on to someone else. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, that person we, is Nikki Haley. <laughs> I was going to ask you, what's with this Nikki Haley? Like, I see you doing this every day. <laughs> Besides my inspirational quotes on Facebook, I just see Nikki Haley posts. Austin, what's going on here? Um, Nikki Haley is going to be the next president of the United States. That's what's going on. I can live with that. As long as, um, you know, it's a good candidate, that's all I care about. I don't care about the race or the sex. I just want to know if they can actually take care of this country. Well, Nikki Haley's a two-term governor, which gives her executive experience. And she was a really good governor. Um, yeah. And then... And then she became the ambassador to the United Nations, which gives her plenty of foreign policy experience. Didn't she stayed there for like the first full two years of the Trump presidency. She was there for she was there for um, all but the last like eleven months. Oh, okay. Well, see, that's a lot longer than your typical UN ambassador, too. Usually, those guys they turn those people they turn around every year, year and a half. Because that's a that's a really hard job. People, I don't think people realize how hard it is to represent the United States in the United Nations. That, that's that's a you don't sleep much when you're doing that work. Yeah, and and she saw an unprecedented amount of opposition. 
that most of her other um the people before her didn't really experience because they had a because she had to deal with um Russia talking all the garbage that they would usually talk um and empowered Iran from the Obama administration an empowered China from the Obama administration so they had to pick she had to pick up the pieces of a place where the Obama administration destroyed our credibility well consider back uh let's see I think this is probably the last couple of years about the only time that we saw countries with horrible human rights records like Iran and Saudi Arabia sitting on, on the Human Rights Commission for the UN and I mean it's a really ridiculous direction that the UN has gone over the past I would say probably six the UN's always been pretty ridiculous at least in my lifetime but in the last six or seven years they've gone off the deep end it's like you know if if you're a leftist and you attack any kind of a liberty uh, liberty based country that's fine, and as soon as that libertarian country, if you will, like, oh, look at what happened with Hamas in Israel. The UN is condemning Israel for shooting back at Hamas. What, they were just supposed to stand there and take the hits? That's ridiculous, but that's the direction the UN has gone. And Nikki Haley had to, I mean, she had her work cut out for trying to sail those waters. That That's a... That's in a very anti-American, more than that, that's a very anti-liberty organization. The situation with Hamas, Israel, it's, it's interesting to me because it is a very clear case of there's the bully on the playground bullying another kid. As soon as that kid snaps and beats the crap out of the bully, the bully points the finger at the other kid, and then the other kid gets in trouble. And this happens at, like, every elementary school, especially in high school when they get older. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what people mm-hmm. are kind of not understanding is that there's more to the story than just, oh, look what they're doing. But that that's the thing is, I've said this before on the show, that people don't pay attention to what they're being told. They just listen to the news, and they go with it, especially when it's CNN, Fox News, all that stuff. They just listen to it. They go with it. They don't do any research. They don't ask questions that's the biggest thing is they just don't ask questions it's almost as if uh it's easier to accept what's being fed to you as opposed to wanting to know there's a little more it's kind of like there's a uh what's that word i'm looking for not necessarily a fear but i think it's almost like a it's just people are too naive that's what it is i don't think people realize how naive they are because when you start to question things like the news or any of that stuff most people around you look, look at you like you're crazy. And I think that's why a lot of people don't do it. Because to me, I've never really found the news to be that believable. <laughs> Good. Wise choice. I got to tell you, what you just described about most people is what is also how you can describe most journalists. When I was studying journalism at Metro State there in Denver, I got to interview quite a few journalists for my final paper. And the one thing that came across me is Mike Rosen. I was discussing my findings with Mike Rosen, who which was one of my interviewees. And he explained to me his opinion that journalists, 
There was a common belief, there is a common belief that that, that journalists are anti-right wing. No, what they are is they're lazy. They don't like to think or do research either. And if the Democrats, according to Mike Rosen, and I have my my research bears this out as well, the Democrats do a better job of spoon feeding them information and in a way that's simple and easy for them to accept, even if they don't understand it. Right. One of the other things you told me about journalism is they have they choose to be ignorant of the subjects upon which they write because they're afraid that if they learn something they'll be biased. But of well, course that ignorance has a certain bias in and of itself. Well, right, then it just changes the game completely because then they are asking questions that they're not supposed to ask, especially in today's age. I mean, with uh on the leftist side, you can't question anything. That's just how that works. And that's kind of where the issue starts, in my opinion. That's why they are the way they are. And a lot of people I know that are on the far left will say, well, that's how the far right is. And I tell them, well, not necessarily. I mean, yeah, there are people that are very far right. But I've met so many Republicans and just, I guess, whatever you would want to call a right winger. I've met so many of them that they either don't agree with me or I don't agree with them on some things. But we're able to hold a conversation. And I would still consider myself you know, conservative, like, oh, yeah, I'm still going to vote Republican for this reason. But, yeah, I, I do question things and I disagree. But on that side, you cannot do those things. So you're right. It, it is easier. It's 10 times easier. And with the Democratic Party, it's almost as if they're able to play it out more like they can basically turn it into a movie and make money off of it. I mean, they can make drama very believable. There was a politician, I can't remember his name, but he once said that controversy creates cash and that's true to this day i mean it's it's still what it is that's why i don't believe the news because everything in there is like a soap opera it just seems a seems a little too good to be true in my opinion but i get called crazy for that of course austin so what you're saying is that republicans need to create more controversy so that it, it, no, I don't even know. Uh, no, because you know, that'll blow up in your face anyway. Because if you if we create controversy, it's because we're being controversial uh, and we're mean spirited. Yeah. That it's well, it's never right. Democrats something bad. It's always Republicans pounce on the opportunity to call out Democrats for doing something bad. It's hard no. to create controversy when the main when the, your the main issue is that people are always assuming that you're the one taking advantage of the controversy because there's a whole media machine trying to end um, your ability to do anything. Oh, 100%, especially because the Republican Party doesn't have to try when it comes to the media. They automatically get assumed as being, well, we'll just say what it is. They get called the assholes. They get called bigoted, racist. Like They don't have to try, but Democrats are very good at doing it. Republicans just don't have to because it's not a it's not a fair game. They automatically get accused of all this crap, and if they do anything, then it's a big deal. Then they're the bad guys. It's always been that way too. I I thought this was just a new thing, but that's where I'm naive. You know, like I, I have these conversations with my father, my grandfather, and like, no, it's been like that forever. There's always been this sort of anti. American trend that goes on, especially within the schools. But I think that 
today it's a little more present because we do have smartphones and we have access to the internet. So it's, to me, I think it's a little more present now because you can literally look this stuff up, interact with people, fight with people online. Whereas it's a little different back in the day, you know, it's more fed to you through a box that has a screen on it. But no, yeah, what I'm saying is, is it's definitely uh, Democrats do it more. They're really good at it. Republicans, they just don't have to try because it's it's not fair, you know. I mean, they it doesn't work for them. Name a Republican story that was overdone, extremely dramatized, and actually turned out good. It doesn't. It just never happens. And this is why. And this is why Republicans have to be careful with what stories they want to align themselves with, because Republicans have to be so much more careful than Democrats do. Right. I mean, it, it seems like it's more cool or more the end thing to be Democrat. I mean, there's, okay, it doesn't seem like that. It It is. There's there's this idea oh. that if you're a Democrat, you're on the good side. But if you're a Republican, then you're somehow the bad guy. Which is ridiculous within itself, in my opinion. I'm not it's necessarily... Go ahead. No, say it again. Sorry, you cut out. I was just going to say, uh, it, it's all emotion-based. It's easy to be a Democrat. It's easy to be a liberal, American liberal, I should say. I specify that. It's easy because it's based on your emotions. It doesn't require a lot of... If you think more and you come to understand things, you understand... People who think things through, I have seen, tend to become more conservative or they become a liberal elite. And the, the defining line there is whether or not they continue to purport the same positions that to their own benefit. Because the elites, elites that I know of in both Colorado politics and Nevada politics that I've been involved in now for, what, 15, 17 years, the liberal elites know the game that they're playing against their followers. And they're treating them like mindless minions because they can't and because their elites know better. They know the score. They know what they're doing. They're complicit in manipulating people to their benefit. The problem is, and getting back to your original point, people don't want to think. They don't want to think things through. They just want to emote. They... If you limit yourself to just feelings, it's easy to understand why we should raise the minimum wage and open the borders. Because it's all emotion. It's it's all those poor people. And then you start thinking about things, you start realizing how raising the minimum wage hurts the poor the most. And how opening the border hurts not just us, but the countries that the people are leaving from hurts them too, when you really think about it. Well, now it's, now you have to be a little bit cold-hearted because now you're thinking instead of just emoting. And when you're cold-hearted, colder, that makes you look bad because you're not you're not feeling these people's pain. To borrow from Bill Clinton, you don't feel their pain. Well, I do feel their pain. I'm just smart enough to know if you're sick, you do something about it. You don't go. You, you don't. You know, like when you're sick, stay home. Don't don't spread it around. Don't cause any problems for us. It requires thinking. You have to tell people no. Because if you think about it, no is the right answer a lot of the time. But it makes you look mean. 
and that that's bad on an emotional basis, not if not on an intellectual basis. Well, Is the that idea, enough to ramble to make any kind of sense? <laughs> well, the idea of it too is very seductive too. I think people forget that um, when you have someone in front of you that preaches to you about equality and all these things that sound so amazing, it's so seductive, and I think that's why people like fall for it automatically. But then they do start to actually read about this stuff, and they look into it, and they realize, okay, so I'm really not on the whole left side anymore like I thought I was. And that's where people start to steer towards the right. There's a saying that I brought up on an earlier episode. Um, I don't remember where I got it from, but it's it basically says that when you're, if you're a conservative when you're young, you have no heart. If you're a liberal when you're old, you have no brain. And that's just that's just kind of true, actually, because the idea of the utopia they create, or whatever you want to call it, whether it's leftist, liberal, it's it's very seductive. It's so easy because all they're saying is, how would you like to help the fellow man that needs your help the most? How would you like to help the poorer souls that are at the border? It it all sounds like, how would you like to help and be equal? But they don't go into, here's the problem with that. Because uh, it, it's almost like, you know, they don't want to tell you, hey, we're going to help everybody, but we need everybody's money to do it. It's easy to be compassionate with other people's money. And then when you hear that, you're like, you know, I don't, I don't think I really trust this. And then, of course, you're the, um, the monster. You're, you're the evil genius. You're bigoted or whatever they can throw at you. And to me, it's almost like a, a deck of Uno cards. It's so easy for them to play the race card, the bigot card, and the transphobic card, and all this crap. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> now, you, but a majority, a majority of people vote on emotion, and this is true with Democrats and Republicans. Um, what you'll see is when um, there's something really to be angry about, like. For example, New York, when they elected Rudy Giuliani, no one voted for Rudy Giuliani because they thought he was this great thinker. He just emoted the same emotes that they had, the same same anger and drive for security and more police and uh, this, this general anger at the lack of safety. And so Republicans do the same thing. Um, when Trump got elected, it's because we were because Republicans were angry at the media and at the Clintons and at the um, and just at government in general. So it's 100%. The, key, the key is to tap into that emotion as Republicans because we don't do it enough of the time. And we, the rare times we do it, we win and we win big. Reagan did it. George W. Bush did it. Um, and Trump did it. And we won Bigly, okay, it's a huge win. <laughs> well, no, I, no, I agree because I was. Oh, you already know me. I was, I was a Democrat. I voted Democrat before Trump went in office. I was very anti-Trump, but that's because I was listening to the news and not doing my own research and paying attention. And then after a year of him being in office, I was like, you know, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna pay attention a little more and see how he does and see if I like him. Now. I wouldn't flat out call me Republican because my thing is you shouldn't just vote for that party just because that's what you represent. It, it's more who has the best policy. So, yeah, I'm conservative, but that gets confused a lot with Republican. 
However, I did vote Republican this time because I liked what Trump had to offer. I liked what he did, which means I did a whole role reversal there. I used to be Democrat, but again, that was also because I was just entering adulthood. I just started working, and then I realized, damn, I really don't like that my money's being taxed and given to other people that don't work. The least they could do me is give me a picture of the ghetto family I'm supporting so I can hold it onto my fridge. And that's when I... <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in there. But that's that's when I started realizing, okay, I don't know as much as I think I do. And really, it was a phase. I was just trying to get away from my family because I grew up in a very Republican household. And when you're a kid, a teenager, it's so cool to be rebellious and all this crap. So that's kind of what happened to me. It stuck with me until I got older, and then I realized, yeah, I'm really not in that uh, field. And I wish more people were like that because, yes, people do vote with emotion. And that's what I decided not to do. I was like, you know what? Just because I say I'm Democrat doesn't mean I'm going to just vote Democrat. I didn't like Hillary Clinton. I didn't vote. I didn't like Donald Trump, so I didn't vote. This time around, though, I did vote. You know, I voted for Trump. That's no secret. I've made that very clear. Uh, obviously, we didn't get that. Um, we got the creepy uncle instead. Yeah, because, again, emotion. Trump created a lot of negative emotions in people. And I think a lot of people who voted for Biden voted not so much for Biden as not as against Mr. Mean tweets. Which is, it's kind of funny to me that people got so upset over his tweets. I hear a lot of people that have a different uh, feeling about this, or at least opinion. My opinion was he's the president. He doesn't need to be tweeting like a 12 year old but then i was also thinking about it as well what's the difference between him doing it and a celebrity you know he was a celebrity he is a politician i understand that and he does represent our country but ultimately he's allowed to do it it's anybody can do it so i mean like where do you draw the line and i'm not gonna lie i thought it was funny i guess it goes back to the same old thing if if a liberal does something and a conservative does the same thing, the conservative is wrong because that's not what they not what people expect a conservative to do. Exactly. If Kamala Harris did something similar to what Trump was doing, nobody would care. They would praise her, you know. But if Trump does it, it's a big deal. And like I said, my opinion on it was well, he's he should be a little more appropriate. But at the same time, I thought the tweets he was putting out were pretty funny. It was kind of like watching a Cold War happen before us in the digital age. Within ourselves, of course, uh, I guess it'd be more of a civil war. But, but everybody would rather have a sluggish economy than some mean tweets. <laughs> right, no kidding. You oh. know, um, Bill Mayer, the talk show guy, was one of the people that had said, in order for Trump to fail, the economy has to crash. Simply saying, like, we have to be okay with everything falling apart because we cannot stand him. Orange man bad. Yep. Which is ridiculous. Like, I under, I understand why people didn't like Trump. I'm, I'm not going to necessarily praise him, but I did like him. I was happy with him. I understand, though, why people didn't like him either. I mean, he does represent a lot of the emotion of the people that were sick and tired of being called racist. Yeah, but and then again, what do we find out? It really doesn't matter what we do. We're going to be called racist. We're going to be called cold-hearted. We're going to be called 
uh, what is it, phobia this and that phobia and whatever other phobia, because we're, Lord knows we only operate under fear. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter what we, it really does. It, it, no matter what we do, we're going to be wrong. So we might as well own it, accept it. And you know, like like Costa was saying, we got to find a way to tap into people's emotions, emotionally connect with them, and 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 do it in a way that promotes people to to think, to, to understand. You know, to me, it all goes back to two things: a lack of morality and a lack of education. The I mean, I can go off on theological. You should probably know. I, you've not. You, we've not had these kinds of conversations, Tony. But I'm pretty sure Austin knows that we that we can go off on a theological bent and point out how people just aren't thinking there either. They're not thinking. They're emoting. Whatever's easiest. Whatever makes me feel best. That's what they're going to go after theologically. Well, the same things economic. Same thing happens in economics. To be a functioning citizen you have to understand at least some basic things of how economies work you're a businessman tony as i if i remember correctly you have a you're at least you know what you're a manager of something right you're of a yeah i'm gonna i'm what you would call an account manager but you you have some experience in business decisions and how they're made you do understand that we can't just raise the minimum wage without you then having to raise prices to cover those additional wages. This requires thought. And the only way you're going to think about things like that is if you're exposed to it. So either you're exposed to it through your work, which is the point I was trying to get at, or you're exposed to it in education, which is just not happening in America today. People aren't being exposed to, well, this is how the world works, and this is why it works the way it does. They're not being, no one's being shown that. I won't say no one. Far too many people are being shown how the world works, why things are the way they are. There's a reason. It isn't just because some rich men wanted to get over on people. It's just my calling. And natural reaction, if you raise my prices, I have to raise prices to cover those prices. But again, it requires thought, not feeling. Right, exactly. They don't teach you that in schools, especially. And it, it is a big part of what they want kids to learn. I mean, they teach them now that Columbus was a rapist and a savage and all this crap, but they don't teach kids about the true story. And they don't, they really don't teach kids about personal finance. I can tell you that because when I was in high school, that was an elective. And you were lucky if you got that because electives costed money, whereas our education was free to start. But no, they don't know how economics yeah, work. They don't it, know how a lot of electives cost. Hold on a second. Electives cost money in high school? Yeah, at the time they cost. Well, now actually they have to pay for the regular classes too. But when I was in high school, all the main courses were free to me, but the electives costed money. That's crazy. I had not. I didn't have any electives. I, the electives I took in college didn't cost any more than my generals. So, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it's it's upsetting. I mean, I don't remember how much it was. I just know that my mom looked at me and said, you better pass this class because this isn't cheap. I mean, 
not only are they paying for my school lunch, which also isn't cheap, they're paying money that every parent has to pay as well to pitch in on gas for the buses. They had to pay for my locker. Just ridiculous stuff. I mean, yes, a lot of it does have to do with underfunding, but at the same time, I think that a lot of it's poorly made choices by the school board, especially with the education. Pay for your lock—that's something different. We never paid for our lockers. We and the, the the gas money for the buses came taxes. So uh, that's just wow. We don't have money for those basic things anymore. Then they're definitely spending money that spending our money wrong. Oh yeah, they are. I mean, they're they're they'd rather spend it on a course that would teach kids about how to be open-minded and uh, woke, if you will, towards the whole transgender community, especially in sex ed classes, which is ironic because sex ed wasn't taught to us in elementary school, at least from what I remember. We never actually got that uh, that lecture. That didn't come for us until about middle school, and that was a requirement, but we didn't talk about um, what kind of sexes there were. We just talked about what it meant to be a boy and what it meant to be a girl. But now they spend so much more money on other things for obvious reasons. Well, also, one of the big issues is that there's so much money tied up in administration. There's not money to get to teachers, to bus drivers, to fuel to the classroom. It's tied up in a bunch of administrators who make six-figure salaries to sit in office, do nothing. That's why that's the entire reason that the teachers union exists. To make us ex you a bunch of money. You'll not find any other industry in America where both management and the workers are in the same union. And it has a natural effect of the union now catering more to the managers than to the workers. See, and the whole union thing is ridiculous to me. I agree that teachers don't make a lot, but they don't need to be making more than they really think. I mean, in my opinion, I don't want my kid being brainwashed. So when you could start teaching them what the textbook says, then I think we could start paying them more. But from what it looks like right now, I really think we need to start cutting some more money because this is just my personal opinion, too. This has some emotion with it, but it's gotten to the point for me where I'm actually considering paying money that I don't have to a private school just to protect my kid. Yeah, I did it. It's I agree. If you want to find out what's wrong with the American public school system, it is public sector teacher unions. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is the greatest scheme in the history of the world. The right. teacher unions... Pay the uh, donate money to politicians. The politicians get elected. The the um, politicians negotiate contracts with teachers unions. The teachers unions get the contracts, force the teachers to pay money, and then put that same money back into the pockets of politicians in form of campaign contributions. It's the greatest Ponzi scheme of all time. And who pays for that? Our kids. They're the ones that get to suffer. And they're the next generation. And, and I, I want to touch on something else really quick, too, because I just saw this last week. Uh, 
the 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 myth that teachers are poor. They have there there might be a low starting wage, but then most starting wages are low. I mean, that's just life. That's just reality. That's the way it is. A recent st survey of ten thousand millionaires showed that teachers were the third most common career path of millionaires in America. Teachers. Right. And like seven months out the year. Yeah. So it sounds like they are making pretty decent money. Eventually. They don't start off that way, but who does? Well, yeah, that's how it works. I mean, when I started in my job, I started out at 12 bucks an hour, which is actually relatively good because at the time, minimum wage was $7, $8. So, I mean... I wasn't making minimum wage, but even then I worked my way up over time. And that, that's just how it works anywhere you go. That's why people end up staying in some places, too. You can make career paths. I mean, I've said this before to young folks. I'm like, you know, McDonald's isn't the best job to have forever. But if you show initiative, if you show that you have responsibility and skill, you can go from being the cashier to being the guy that runs that place to being the guy that works in the corporate office. Yeah, that thing it happens if you actually put in the work. The thing is, and I think this is the case with a lot of generations, people just aren't taught to take personal responsibility and take things seriously. A lot of people out there think it should be handed to them and they don't work for it. They want that paycheck, but they don't want to work for it. Such as teachers right now, anyway. It's funny to me, though, you can be a professor, make up your own rules teach class however you want, and you get paid a ton of money. Money that yeah. you don't really need, in my opinion. That's way too much money that goes to a teacher. Our uh, congresswoman out here in Nevada, Adina Titus, she was paid, well, she was a congresswoman in one district, and then she got voted out, and she moved to another district and ran again in that district, and now she's congresswoman. In between that time, for two years, because she needed something to do, she went and taught one class at UNLV, uh, University of Nevada, Las Vegas, in political science, was paid $314,000 per year for those two years, and then ran for Congress and won another seat, and is back in Congress now. $314,000 for teaching one class? That's way too much money. There, that's, that's why your college tuition is so high. Right. Well, it makes you wonder where all that money's really going because, I mean, honestly, I think uh, when I went to community college, the most expensive class I had was a good four or five hundred bucks. That may be nothing, but to me, that's something. I didn't have four hundred and five hundred dollars. I had to work for that and get that. I'm like, wow, this costs more than my yearbook, my class ring, everything combined. And this is for one class for barely a couple months. And, of course, I got stuck in a class where I had a teacher that made it very clear politics weren't going to be discussed in that classroom unless they were of the Marxist era. So that was a nightmare. <laughs> I barely passed that. But that's a lot of money to go to one guy that made things up and didn't teach me properly. I know that for a fact. I would challenge him on a daily basis, and it never went well. <laughs> You're not supposed to do that. That's the golden rule. But the thing is, is it, it's frustrating when I'm the one that's paying for this, you know, this tuition. I'm paying tuition for this. And, like, 
the teacher is standing there and telling students that the reason the United States Army or military got involved in World War II is because communism was working so well in other countries, and that's why Hitler was expanding. And I'm like, no, that is not at all what happened. And, you know, of course, I got in trouble. (laughs) It just frustrated me. I was like, come on, I'm paying money for this. You can't tell me this. Yeah, I I actually dropped a a journalism class or Metro when the uh, the first day of the class, the uh, professor had mentioned that um, both, well, this is back when the Denver had both the Post and the Rocky Mountain News, and her opinion was that they were both far right wing newspapers. Of course, <laughs> and, I mean, these are these are right wing newspapers. He had a he had a centrist and a left wing paper, and she thought they were both right wing. Yeah, right. yeah. Those people make way too much money. I was like, oh, I thought, yeah, oh, I, I didn't need that class. I went and found another way to spend my money. Teaching and baseball, the only two careers that you can fa- that you can be wrong more times than you're right and still get paid lots of money. <laughs> Did you say baseball? <laughs> yeah, what other career can you be do the bad thing um, two-thirds out of the time and still be one of the greatest of all time? Yeah. Well, apparently Whether a Democrat. Whether they're forecasting or being a pandemic specialist. Exactly. If you're a doctor and that's what you work on, apparently you can lie the whole time and make up all these predictions and still be praised and get, you know, Time Magazine cover, all that fun stuff. Yep. You know, it's pretty uh, funny to me, speaking of time, this is a very old story, but it's always fun to bring it up because nobody likes to talk about it. Time Magazine once had Hitler on the front of their cover. It was Man of the Year or something like that. Of course, it was before he tried to exterminate an entire race, but it's the same magazine that had a cover of Trump. What was it? Standing in front of an immigrant girl. Yeah. Yeah. Same magazine company, though. They appraised uh, Hitler. But it's all the same, too, if you look at it. Um in terms of what's being fed to you know people my age and people younger, they get fed all this stuff about socialism and you know, equality and blah blah blah. Well, those were kind of the same steps that we see, you know, late earlier in history. But it's, it goes back to that uh, old saying that those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it or something along those lines. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, I have to cut this. I got to cut my way out of here because I do have other things I got to get done, and it's ten o'clock at night. No problem, sir. We we appreciate having you on. I really appreciate it, Ted. Thank you. You bet. I, you know what? Next time I'm out there, uh, we all got to get together and like actually meet face to face and do fun, good fun stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> what was that? All? I said, yeah, absolutely. It sounds awesome. Um, thank you for talking with us. We appreciate it. You bet. Yeah, it was fun. It was good, man. I got to go. All right. We'll see you later, Ted. Have a good one. Austin, uh, are you driving? Yeah, I got to tell you a story, dude. All right. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. We still got a good couple minutes left. So we get to uh, a little city um, in northeastern Colorado called Julesburg. 
Huh. Okay. They're every time it's where I get gas normally. So we pull up in the gas station. All the lights are off except for one light bulb, like flickering on the outside. Ashley goes, Why you <laughs> I said, absolutely not. <laughs> right. That's a ghost story already. I was like, it's it's like tw- 10 cents more at this gas station across town, but I'd rather spend 10 cents more per gallon than literally get stabbed in the stomach. Right, like, fuck that. The, all that. What you just described, that's all the familiar, like, symptoms of a horror film, dude. Fuck that. Yeah. So we stop in this other gas station, we fill up, we go across the street to this rest stop. And I'm parked in the van, waiting for Ashley to get out of the bathroom, and this creepy dude, long, like, white hair, thinning, he's got, like, a mechanics jumpsuit on it's all covered in stuff he's got a white <laughs> guy dude I was panicking he walks up goes you know your geography and I was like what goes you know your geography and I said I know a little bit of geography what can I help you with he goes if I keep going west on this road will I hit New Mexico I was like no you will not you will hit Utah and you don't want to go to Utah, bro. No, Utah. That's all. Trying to show this man how to get to New Mexico, and he's like, "Well, where are y'all from?" And I was like, "This is getting really personal, and it's making me very uncomfortable." <laughs> he's like, "Is anyone gonna miss you? <laughs> you got a family, right? Like, I got people I gotta see, bro. Come on, I don't want to die tonight." <laughs> Dude, no, that's creepy as hell. Screw that. Oh, oh. Cre- I was like, Ashton, get in the car, get in the car, get in the car. We just peeled out. <laughs> She's just chilling. Ashton goes, someone's got a creeper mobile is going to come get us. It's like, Ashton, we're in a 1987 Ford Econoline. We are the creeper mobile. We are the creeper mobile. A little bit. You could pull up with that thing and be like, hey, lady, get in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Dude, I um, uh, this is a little side note. WWE went through some massive layoffs again, and guess who they got rid of? Who? Braun Strowman. What the fuck? Yeah, bro, they got rid of Braun Strowman, Aleister Black, Buddy Murphy, uh, Lana, and some other people. But they also fired a bunch of people in the corporate I office. I can't like anybody. I know, dude. So the rumor and innuendo is WWE is planning on selling the company to like Amazon or Disney. That's the big rumor. Now, I asked my stepdad what he thought about it, and he said, This is very common in wrestling industries that are making good money but also suffering. Basically, you get rid of your top, some of your top talent so that you can save money, jack the price up really high, and sell it really high. So it right. sounds like it sounds like they are going to be selling. I, I don't know though. I mean, if they do, really, what's going to happen is they'll get put in a contract for life, basically, to two companies that have so much money they can throw at them. The problem is, is they're now more restricted than they ever were when they were on USA Network and Fox. You know, like right. Those networks, of course, have standards and practices, but when you go to a, you know, a company that 
fucking owns you, you don't get to have a say in how your scripts go or the quality of the content you're putting out. And if right. it's you know if it's Disney or Amazon, they're known for being corporate henchmen. They will tell them, no, this is what we want. This is what you're going to do. And there is nothing anybody in that company can do about it. Except Kathleen Kennedy's on her way out because they promoted Dave Filoni. See you later, you dirty witch. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think that it would be a bad thing for WWE to be owned by somebody else because right now, no offense to Mr. McMahon, but the company that's currently owning it right now ain't doing shit with it. It is horrible. I couldn't even watch Raw this week or SmackDown, man. I fucking... I quit watching both episodes halfway through, and I was like, you know what sucks? AEW doesn't have the best quality, but I love that shit ten times more than WWE right now. I'm able to actually watch AEW all the way through and be excited. But WWE is so boring, and they just slap you in the face every time. Their stories are horrible. All the people we watched that night on AEW, the characters all just sucked. I love them, bro. To be RoboCop or something. Oh, that was part of his little gimmick. He is dumb. I'll admit that. But I fucking love like Cherico and the Inner Circle, or MJF and the Pinnacle is pretty cool. The Young Bucks are a pretty decent tag team. But my issue with AEW is that they're they're taking all these top talents from other companies and making them work with a bunch of kids that have never been on TV a day in their life. Right. So so they don't understand how pacing needs to work. And you can feel it sometimes. I was just yeah. watching a AEW Dynamite, and there's a match where you can tell they're, like, planning out each move as they go. Whereas WWE, dude, you really can't tell. That's how good they are right. at it. But it's getting frustrating. I'm like, damn, dude, wrestling's, like, fucking under fire right now. I don't know. But, uh. Shit, man, that's kind of all I brought to the table. I think we should probably call it. That sounds awesome. All right, man. Well, hey, get home safe. And otherwise, folks, thank you for listening. Also, check us out on Facebook, Twitter. You can even find us at thegreatgirthpodcast.com. Oh, and if you haven't, I just want to give a little shout-out to my other podcast, Grave Shift with Tony Trujillo. It is officially on. You can go and find me on Spotify. You can find me on uh, Anchor, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're currently working on a website for it, but right now we do have a Facebook page. We have a Twitter and an Instagram. First episode is up. It's a movie review of The Conjuring 2013 film. Check it out every Friday. There will be new episodes at 10 p.m. they are going to be short episodes, too. They're like 10, 12 minutes long. So hope you guys can check that out and enjoy it. Otherwise, Austin, buddy, I will see you on the Friday show. Absolutely. Adios.